0: Hello and welcome to day 23 of Crikey's election cast. It's Tuesday the 3rd of May, I'm Cam Wilson. Well, they did it. The Reserve Bank increased its cash rate, the first time in a decade, and importantly, something that hasn't happened during an election period since when Kevin 07 topped John Howard. Crikey's political editor, Bernard Keane, spoke to our news editor, Georgia Wilkins, earlier today about the decision and what it means for Scott Morrison's already less than ideal campaign.
1: So we've just found out about, oh, 15, or not even, a few minutes ago. 13, 13 minutes <laughs> 13 ago. Minutes no, sorry, ago. 17.
2: 17 minutes ago, let's be accurate. 17
1: minutes ago that the Reserve Bank, the agency in charge of setting the official cash rate, has announced it will lift the rate to 0.35%. Um, And that comes, obviously, less than three weeks out from a federal election, which is focused very heavily on cost of living pressures. And I should say, just for context, it's the first interest rate increase since 2010. And so it would sort of add about $50 a month to a $500,000 mortgage. So the RBA, this is not a surprise, the RBA was widely tipped to lift rates, especially after the extremely high interest, uh, sorry, inflation data last week. So can you talk us just through what the RBA RBA has signalled with this um, big decision?
2: Well, the RBA is very worried about inflation. Um, It has uh, been using the word patient about waiting for inflation to pick up um, right up until its last meeting in April. And in April, importantly, that word patient disappeared from these post-meeting statements that Philip Lowe, the Reserve Bank governor, issues. Um, and that was taken as flagging that, uh, well, the, the, the bank actually articulated in that April statement that they would be waiting for further evidence to see what was happening with inflation. Of course, we got plenty of evidence of that last week with that 5.1% March quarter uh, result. Now, the RBA thinks that's not that inflation is not going to peak there it's going to peak even higher at six percent so their forecast they're saying in today's post-meeting statement uh, is that inflation is going to reach six percent this year that's going to be the highest in i don't know we've probably have to go back to the 80s the the late 80s uh for for inflation of higher than six percent but i haven't got the abs charts open in front of me but it's certainly going to be uh, the highest inflation rate we've seen for, you know, in the twenty-first century, here in Australia, and the RBA expects that uh, that inflation, underlying inflation, i.e., in, inflation without volatile, with, with, without volatile goods, is um, is going to reach four and three quarter percent. That's well above the Reserve Bank's target range. So uh, they've gone from being patient to to really saying, um, you know, we're in a lot of trouble when it comes to inflation, and we're going to move now. That all said, the 0.25% increase today is about the smallest uh, move they could have done. Um, you know, they possibly could have done something numerically smaller, but you know, a quarter of a percent is about the the smallest step that they can take. Um, a lot of there was a lot of sort of forecasts that they were going to increase it by, by more, a little bit more, much more. Some people wanted them to go straight to 0.5. Some wanted them to go. uh, 50 basis points right away, but they've settled for the first, uh, the first of what is likely to be a succession of interest rates rises over the next couple of years.
1: So you mentioned that um, there was talk about inflation lifting as well. So could you tell us a bit more about what um, RBA Governor Philip Lowe said today in his post meeting statements? I think maybe a lot of people don't know this, but when a decision, rate decisions made, the RBA makes quite a detailed sort of Statement about their decision-making and could you just give a little bit more of the sort of sense of the language that he used and, and in that?
2: Well, the, so the, the, the RBA's story on inflation is uh, that it's not just external inflation. So there's a, there's a quite significant section where Lowe says the rise in inflation largely reflects global factors, but domestic capacity constraints are increasingly, increasingly playing a role. And inflation pressures have broadened uh, with firms more prepared to pass through costing cost increases to consumer prices. Now, that's what we saw in last week's inflation data is we didn't just see oil or uh, housing, uh, you know, one or two big increases driving that, that, uh, that rise in the March quarter. We saw infl- We saw big increases, but we also saw across virtually every category of goods that makes up the CPI. We saw um, prices going up, so that's what they I mean by the broadening of the effect. And there's been there's been a lot of talk, and in, including the, the in in Crikey, about how a lot less inflationary pressure is coming from offshore. It's coming from oil prices, coming from energy prices. Um, but the Reserve Bank's also saying, look, there are domestic capacity issues as well that are uh, causing this. So it's it's really flagging that. If you think that monetary policy is not going to be any good at stopping externally imposed inflation, things like oil price rises, they're saying, well, sorry, but a lot of what's going on is also a domestic issue as well. And that's why we're moving to address it with monetary policy right now. It's interesting what they don't say. What they don't say is that this is demand-driven inflation, i.e. that there is so much money washing around in the economy that um, that you know people are basically um, you know driving prices up with their demand for goods. Not very much mention of that. There is some mention of wages growth. The RBA does say that wages growth it it believes wages growth is going up. Now we've heard this many times before. It's turned out not to be the case. Um, what they're saying is that they're hearing from businesses that a lot of firms are starting to respond to. Type what labor markets by paying high, higher wages certainly not before time if that's true but we're not going to find out until three days before the election with the latest wage price index numbers as to whether that's actually happening so um, it's you know, the story is look inflation is here it's inside Australia it's inside the you know the inflation calls are coming from inside the house if you like <laughs> and we need to do something about it um, and the, you know the discussion of wages is really a, a recognition that Right up until a couple of months ago, the RBA's line was, we're not going to lift interest rates until we see sustained increases in wages growth. And there is no sustained increase in wages growth Mm. that we've been seeing Um, lately. It's just gone back to pre-pandemic levels. Um, Mm. But uh, from the RBA's point of view, uh, you know, the wages first policy was ditched a couple of months ago because inflation was starting to get too high for its comfort level.
1: So... We'll get to the politics of all this in a moment, because obviously it comes right in the middle of an election campaign. But um, obviously, rate rises have a huge impact with people, on people's cost of living. They directly impact people's mortgage repayments. So, and obviously, we just heard that inflation is all time highs um, or twenty year highs. So, this is people are already struggling. Um, what's it going to mean for, for Australians who? Who are finding it hard to pay for things, and what's it going to mean for for people? What impact is it going to have on them?
2: Well, let's let's remember that the number of the, the, the people who hold who own mortgages are, are you know a fraction of the economy. They're not they're not dominant. You know, a lot of people own their own homes. A lot of people can't afford to buy homes, so they're renting. Um, so people who actually hold mortgages are a subset of um, homeowners. They're not necessarily. A dominant group, but they are obviously a very, very large group. And for many of them, particularly if they've acquired a mortgage um, in the last um, eighteen months, two years, uh, obviously we've seen a big rise in um, uh, housing prices over the last two years, and a lot of people, I think, have moved into the market property market for the first time. Uh, For those people, a rate rise is going to be quite a shock. I mean, no one's had a rate rise, an interest rate rise, and mortgage repayments rise. driven by the Reserve Bank since Julia Gillard was Prime Minister. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be a rather unaccustomed situation. And for those uh, mortgage holders who've gone in and they've maybe bought a place um, and they have really committed as much as they possibly can, they're not going to be in a very good position to deal with um, increases in mortgage repayments. But what we expect, and certainly what the prudential regulator, AFRA, would expect, and the Reserve Bank would expect, is that uh, banks would have been taking that into account when they've been making decisions about giving mortgages over the last couple of years. That is, you wouldn't have been allowed to get a mortgage unless banks were satisfied that you could handle mortgage repayments returning to the sort of levels that would have applied before the pandemic, i.e., uh, you know, being able to handle repayments when interest rates are back to. Over one percent, maybe over two percent, rather than at their current lows. So, you know, there'll be a lot of talk about mortgage stress. I mean, the, the media loves to talk about mortgage stress. Like stress, I think it's it's more it's more spoken about than um, uh, than actually real. Um, I don't think it's going to you know cause a serious, uh, particularly not such a small rate rise. It's not going to cause a, uh, a serious impact. But for a lot of households, it's one thing on top of another isn't it? You know, it's, it's higher prices, it's wage stagnation. A lot of people haven't had a decent wage rise, certainly no real wage increases now for a couple of years. They've been going backwards. Um, and on top of rising bills, they're now facing uh, rising mortgage repayments. And let's not forget down the track in coming quarters are going to be higher electricity bills because of the surging pricing coal. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's not going to be, I don't think we're going to see too many households tipped into default or anything like that. Um, I'm sure there'll be stories about that tomorrow, but uh, I don't think we're going to see much of that. But um, as we go forward through this rate tightening cycle, which is probably going to last another two years, mm. well, certainly into 2024, uh, I think as each rate rise goes by, uh, we are going to see that level of mortgage stress start rising. And, uh, you, know, you know, into the second half of next year, uh, we may well start to see, people being exposed to uh, issues like um, uh, mm-hmm. uh, struggling with their mortgages and particularly if you know there's a there's an impact on property prices and um, house prices um, actually fall now that's a story for mortgage uh, holders for if you're a saver of course it's good news I mean savers have been really copying it in the neck for the last sort of well you know, <laughs> the last last few years uh, with, re- with rates progressively falling down to, to near zero so Finally, a little bit of respite for people who like to put their money in the bank. Um, they're going to get slightly more than they were before. And by the end of next year, I suspect they'll be getting um, you know, quite a bit more than otherwise they would. A small, a
1: small would. silver lining there, I guess.
2: <laughs> well, look, this, this is, look, you know, big groups like National Seniors Association always like to say, you know, hey, what about us? I mean, we, we, we everyone rejoices and the media rejoices in interest rate cuts, but it's uh, it makes life much more difficult for, for pensioners and... And they're quite right. And it's, um, you know, it's something that uh, that shouldn't be forgotten in this particular context.
1: Indeed. Um, Let's move on to politics, because that's obviously why a lot of us are here. Um, This rate rise could not have come at a worse time for the coalition, as you've just penned uh, for Cracky. Um, This really hammers Morrison's re-election hopes. Uh, you've got a a government who's already had a shocker campaign so far. It's facing down soaring cost of living pressures as we've already talked about and that's become central to the election campaign. Um, And now we know that those pressures are going to rise further. Um, Scott Morrison said this morning when asked about the decision that this was not about politics. Now, obviously, he's right in that the RBA is independent from government or at least should be and shouldn't be bowing to political pressure, but... Um, how could this decision be seen in isolation to, to politics and the campaign, given we're weeks out from going to the polls?
2: Well, monetary policy, policy decisions are never separate from politics. Uh, from politics, that doesn't mean that it's you know it's because of the interactions between politicians and the Reserve Bank Board or the Reserve Bank uh, executive. It's because the Reserve Bank takes fiscal policy into consideration in its uh, decisions about uh, monetary policy. Um, and you know, I, I don't doubt that today, in its considerations of a rate rise and the inflation environment, the Reserve Bank would have, and the Reserve Bank board would have considered the government's fiscal policy, which is highly stimulatory. I mean, mm-hmm. even after contract- in, in big increases in tax revenue, the government's still planning to spend $80 billion in deficit spending in the coming financial year. So it is locked into a very stimulatory um Uh, fiscal framework for next year. There are budget deficits, as far as the eye can see, right into the 2030s. So we, at the moment, we have a government that is basically going to continue to pump stimulus into the economy, albeit at a slowing rate. So as each year goes by, there'll be slightly less stimulus going into the economy. Uh, So that will have some slightly negative effect on the overall level of growth. But compared to the fiscal framework of a couple of years ago before the pandemic, when it was, um, you know, a uh, steady progression to uh, budget balance, Um, you know, the government is playing a role in the the Reserve Bank's decisions about where to set interest rates. Now, that's, that's not necessarily a criticism of the government. The government needed to provide stimulus just in the same way as the Reserve Bank needed to provide stimulus, and they've both been doing that through record low interest rates and highly stimulatory fiscal policy, but you know, you can't divorce one from the other. And the Reserve Bank would have looked at the budget and would have said, okay, that's the fiscal framework that we're working in. So uh, given that, you know, let's have a look at the inflation data and we'll make our decision based on that. If it had been a very different budget, if it had been, you know, more of an austerity budget, i.e. the government had slashed spending and cut the deficit quite significantly. Then I suspect the Reserve Bank would have, may not have, you know, may have delayed the uh, uh, the rise in rates. It may have taken a decision to um, wait and see quite a bit longer. Uh, But that, of course, didn't happen. We ended up getting a highly stimulatory uh, budget as well. So the idea that the the two can be divorced is um, is pretty self-serving stuff from um, from Scott Morrison. You know, Mm -hmm. he is the Prime Minister. You know, he gets to wear. The credit for the economy, which he's been trying to claim throughout mm-hmm. the election campaign, and he gets to uh, gets to uh, to wear the opprobrium when things go wrong. Just I mean, just you know, let just keep some context for this though. The reason that we have interest rates occupying such a totemic position in our politics is because John Howard made low interest rates a marker of economic success, and low interest rates are not a marker of economic success. Uh, interest rates should be set at the level that is best going to address inflation and full employment. You know, that's, that's, those are the two goals that the Reserve Bank uh, has to pursue. Now, in some, some, sometimes that may, that may require higher, higher interest rates. Other times, as particularly in the last few years and particularly during the pandemic, they required very low interest rates. Um, it's, it's the relationship between monetary policy and fiscal policy that's important not this instinctive idea that low interest rates are uh, the be-all and end-all of economic policy. Um, and uh, John Howard created that framework. He en- ended up getting caught out by it in 2007, and I suspect Scott is now going to get caught out by it in 2022.
1: Mm. Well, look, just finally... Bernard, before you go, um, uh, what do you think? What do you think? How do you think Morrison's going to respond to this? What's going to be the impact on the campaign? How do you think that the coalition might try and respond to this? And what do you think the ultimate outcome will be for the election itself? Uh,
2: I think the well, Morrison's already been sort of anticipating it and responding to it by saying trying to distance himself from it, and by by insisting he's got an economic plan, and his economic plan is to provide. Uh, cost of living support for people now uh, I'm not sure that line's been cutting through um, particularly Um, the fact that he was you know very eager to switch over to attacking Labor's housing policy in the last couple of days um, suggests that um, he's much much happier when he's attacking his opponents than in providing reassurance to voters but the whole cost of living issue has been one that's has occupied the coalition right from the budget, right through till the weekend announcement that, or Monday's announcement, yesterday's announcement, that um, um, uh, that the government would be uh, increasing access to um, uh, the Commonwealth Seniors Health Card and increasing, reducing the cost of, um, of pharmaceuticals. So that's the guts of its response, is it's going to make life easier for people by reducing the cost of things that it can reduce the cost of. Um, the question becomes, of course, whether people will give Morrison any credit for that or even if they'll um, be aware of it. Uh, my overall feeling is that the government wanted to focus on national security and they wanted to focus on the economy uh, in the campaign, and both have ended up blowing up on them um, Solomon <laughs> Islands in terms of national security, and now inflation and the follow up interest rate rises on the economy. These are supposed to be natural territory for the coalition, territory where the coalition's confident. The fact that Labor's been very happy to uh, fight on both those areas, I think, suggests that um, the government's uh, in a lot of trouble on even its strongest areas.
0: That was Bernard Keane, Crikey's political editor, speaking to Georgia Wilkins, our news editor, earlier today thank you for listening to crikey's election cast if you have a spare moment we'd really appreciate it if you could review us on whatever podcast platform you use and as always don't forget we've got heaps on this decision and more at crikey.com.au and i encourage you to go dive in all right until next time bye